Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 8 about wisdom that falls short. Bill Dad the Shuhite. All right. Actually, seriously, he's from an area called Shua. And uh, we, we introduced him in uh, chapter two. So I won't spend a lot of time talking to you about where he's from. But he was known as a wise man. And here's what he says to Job. He says, how long will you say these things? Now remember, Job has just listed all of his tough questions. He's questioning God. He's still a believer, but he's got questions. And Bildad says to Job, How long will you say these things and the words of your mouth be a mighty wind? Scholars would say, commentators would say that Bildad is angry. And it's not that Bildad has had enough with Job's talking. I don't know how long the speech of Job would be if you timed it. But these guys talked about wisdom at the gates all day long. It's not that he's tired of Job like going on and on and on. He's tired of the content of Job's speech. He doesn't like it. He doesn't agree with it. And so this is where the idea of an old windbag comes from. (laughs) He says, Job, you're a windbag. Your words are like a mighty wind. You're full of a whole lot of hot air. Bildad is angry. Says one writer, his speech is described as short, punchy, a speech built upon a simple axiom, a simple premise. Here's the premise. Bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. That's the premise of Bildad. Bildad the Shuhite. His wisdom is going to fall short. But that's what he thinks. And there's a lot of people in our world that think just that. That's why they struggle with why do bad things happen to good people. R.C. Sproul was asked that question one time. Why do bad things happen to good people? And Sproul responded, well, maybe we should talk about whether or not there's any good people. (laughs) Then we can talk about whether or not bad things happen to good people. Because good is in a relative sense. Biblically speaking, there is no one good, no, not one. However, we would agree that there's good people around, right? And that's what we struggle with. We see We see people who are benevolent. We see people who are sympathetic. We see people who are nice. And then we hear something happen to them and we go, that doesn't make sense. And some people just, they ask the question to the universe, you know. Universe, this doesn't make sense. And then there's people with a worldview that just, they're naturalists. And so they just say, well, that's just random, purposeless, mindless chance. After all, that's the universe we live in. Nobody's steering, nobody's in control. It's just evolution. And so, yeah, that's gonna happen. Hope it doesn't happen to me. Hope it doesn't fall on my doorstep, but that's just life. But then there's other people who have God in the equation, and then then they start asking questions like this. Well, if God is all good, and he's holy, and he's just, then why do we have evil and suffering in the world? And the answer to that question is, this is not the world that God intended. The world is broken. 
When God first made everything in the garden, he kept saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. The one thing he said wasn't good was for the man to be alone. And then he solved that by making Eve. So God made everything good, but our first parents, they messed it up. And they let the serpent into it, and they did the, the one tree, <laughs> the one, they had access to all the other trees, the one tree that was off limits. Ah, let's go see. It's forbidden. Just that word, forbidden. What's Eve doing over by the tree? Right? But we know how we are. Is it really wet paint? I'm not sure I believe it. <laughs> Is there a stain on my pants? Yeah, it said wet paint. Yeah, but I don't know. The trees hanging over the wall. Do not pick this fruit. Fruit belongs to the owner. But it's now hanging over the wall. It's community property. Public sidewalk. And then you hear <laughs> shotguns being loaded. Yeah, anyway. Personal experience. <laughs> You're full of a, a whole lot of hot air, Job. This is another way of saying what you're saying is nonsense. Have you ever tired easily of someone, someone's pontificating, maybe you disagree, and you go, oh, no way. Uh-uh, not, no, nonsense. And sometimes we don't say it out loud, but it's our nonverbal body language, like, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, well, they already know you checked out like five minutes ago. That's Bildad. Bildad's actually angry at Job. To say to somebody, your words are a mighty wind, like they're nothing, is what Bildad is saying. And you know, it's hard sometimes to be a patient listener, even when we might, like for example, you're trying to witness to someone, let's just say, you know that their view is wrong. It's not biblical, etc. Do you find yourself impatient? But if you want to be heard, you have to sometimes sacrifice hearing someone, even if you already know that all the ideas are wrong. Because if they don't know that you are willing to hear them, then will they hear you? If you're talking over them constantly, you know you're right, so you want to get your words in, but that's why we do things with gentleness and reverence. And so Bildad, working from the premise that God is always going to do things a certain way, he says, does God pervert justice? Well, we would all answer no. Does the Almighty, that's the Hebrew word Shaddai, God is known as El Shaddai, that's the word Almighty. Does he pervert what is right? Bildad's major premise. Job, are you questioning God's justice or justness? Surely Job is questioning and wrestling and Maybe Bildad is saying what he said because maybe he hasn't had to wrestle with it yet to this degree. Let me just explain. Sometimes a Christian works through stuff because that's where they are. And it is, we have to be careful and we need discernment and we need the wisdom of the Spirit because if we haven't been in their moccasins, walking their road, dealing with their stuff, if we're quick to just jump on them, with what we know to be true, but we haven't suffered, 
what they're going through, then maybe if we were, we would be asking the same questions that they're asking. You see, we, we have to give a little bit of wiggle room sometimes when we don't completely understand what someone's going through. Now, it is true that Abraham said to God, shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? Genesis 18, 25. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, the rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteousness and upright is he. Righteous and upright is he. Deuteronomy 32.4. And so God does not pervert justice, it's true. But something else is going on. But working from that premise, Bildad, in a devastating, unfeeling way, I think he needed some sensitivity training, says these words. If your son sinned against God, against him, then he, God, delivered them over or delivered them into the power of their transgression. Translation. Job, your kids are dead because they sinned against God. Wow, Bildad, really? That's what you have to say to your friend? Yeah, because I'm working from a premise that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, and that's all there is. This is black and white. There's no wiggle room. There's no gray areas. There's nothing else. So your kids died when the house collapsed on them, And so, Job, your kids are dead because they certainly sinned against God. And God, literally, here's the Hebrew, Yod, he put them into the hand or the power of their sin. Here's another way to say it. Your kids got what was coming to them. I think Bildad needs some sensitivity training. I think Bildad maybe needs to take a class on grief because Why would he ever say that to Job? Job is reeling from the loss of his children. And and Bildad has the gumption, the gall, to say this to him. Well, God just simply gave your kids what they deserved. Now, would Bildad have reason to back up his premise? He could talk about Korah's rebellion in number 16. Remember Korah's rebelling against Moses? You're not the only one that speaks for God. And Moses finally says, okay, those who are on Korah's side, you go over there. Those who are on the Lord's side, come over here. And if you ever read the account, the ground opened up and swallowed Korah and the rest of his marching band. (laughs) And Bildad might say, see, it's biblical, number 16. How about in the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira? Is that the amount that you got for the land that you sold? Oh, yeah. Why is your pocket looking so full? (laughs) Why does your wallet look so fat? Oh, no, that's all we got for the land. Well, you know what happened. On the spot, God killed Ananias and Sapphira. Acts 5. And then later in the book of Acts, Herod is giving a speech, and the people say, this is the voice of a God, not a man. And Herod was like eating it up. Yeah, keep telling me. I'm a god. Yeah, I like it. Fan me. Feed me another grape. And an angel of the Lord killed Herod. And he was eaten by worms and died. You read your Bible and you're like, yeah. (laughs) And then you're like, what? And so Bildad could say, yep, 
Number 16, Acts 5, Acts 12. Hold on. How about Luke 13? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And he was eaten by worms and died. You read your Bible and you're like, yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, what? And so Bill Dad could say, yep. Number 16, Acts 5, Acts 12. Hold on. How about Luke 13? Jesus says these words. Do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus, why did the tower fall on 18 people? Why did Pilate mingle the blood of worshipers with the sacrifices in the temple courts? Why? Jesus doesn't even answer it. He says, I tell you this, though. Unless you repent, you're going to perish like them. You think you're better than them? You see, when we are trying to explain uh, catastrophes and calamities and the why question, we don't always know why. But it is motivation to get right with God. You see, Bildad doesn't have access, of course, to all the stories that we do in our Bible today, but he's presumed and NIV, when your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. He gave them over to the power of their sin. Paul in Romans describes sin as a power. Sin is not an entity per se, but sin is described as a power, how so? Because when you give yourself over to sin, there are consequences, there are wages. The penalty that I deserve for my sin, just one of my sins, is death. Now, when I begin to consider my sin, the things that I've fallen short in, in thought, word, deeds, things that I should have done and failed to do, things that I put off, things that I whispered in my mind, if you, O oh Lord, kept a record of sin, 
O Lord, who could stand? And Bildad, if he was thinking along the grace line, the power of the gospel, he might say, wait a minute. If a house fell on my 10 children, would I want Job to say to me, hey, you know what? Philosophically and religiously speaking, man's wisdom here, the house fell on your children because they obviously sinned against God. And so that's why the roof came tumbling down. Have a nice day. No. You wouldn't, say, you wouldn't want somebody to say that to you because they wouldn't have enough information to know why that happened. Now remember, in every speech that's given by a friend of Job, there's some truth to it. Is it possible that God could pour out judgment in that way for sin? Yes. But is it true in every case? No. The man that was born blind, who sinned? The disciples say to Jesus, him or his parents, that this man was born with this blindness. He was born that way. Did he do something in the womb? That was one of the popular thoughts of the day. And Jesus says, no, neither him nor his parents sinned. But this has happened, that the glory of God, John 9, might be manifest in this man. Sometimes God has a purpose where he redeems a situation. He's allowed something. Johnny Erickson Tata, she's in Israel at the Pool of Bethesda where Jesus famously healed a man 38 years, I think, in the condition. And Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? He, he beautifully heals the man. Johnny Erickson Tata, quadriplegic from the time she was 18. She's, I think, in her 60s now, also fighting cancer finds herself at the pool of Bethesda, separated from her group, and she said she had been dreaming of, of this moment to be at this pool of Bethesda. And so you're listening and you're thinking, the next thing that Johnny Erickson Tata is going to say is, Lord, right here at the pool of Bethesda, like you did 2,000 years ago, would you heal me? And Johnny says, I began to pray at the pool, nobody else around, and I began to thank God. Are you ready? That he hasn't healed me. And you're like, what, Johnny? I began to praise the Lord at the pool of Bethesda that he did not heal me. And here's what she says. Because if I would have been healed or never had this accident, I'm not sure that I would have served him in the way that I have. She has a worldwide, worldwide wheelchair ministry. She has ministered to countless millions, encouraging them from a wheelchair with her faith. Why would Johnny Erickson Tata ever say, thank you, Lord, for not healing me? It's called redemptive suffering. I know it's not fun. I know that Johnny has said that she wakes up on certain days and has nothing left to give and says, Lord, you're going to have to even give me your smile. I don't even have a smile to give to anybody today. But she leans into the Lord, and the Lord uses her suffering for his glory. This is what we're getting at. But Bildad is not factoring in the grace of the gospel. He's not factoring in, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He can't see the shadow of the cross. So he's got to put this in a little package. Your kids obviously sinned against God. The roof fell in on them, but Maybe you're not as bad of a sinner as your kids. You're still alive, verse 5. So if you would see God 
and implore the compassion of the Almighty of Shaddai. If you're pure and upright, surely now he would rouse himself, verse 6, for you and restore your righteous estate. Hey, Job, your kids are dead, given over to the power of their sin, but you're still alive, so your sin must not be as bad. Remember, this is Bildad's premise, his, his worldview. If you would cry out, if you would pray for God to be merciful to you, well, then certainly God would rouse himself and he would fix your situation. Wait a minute, brothers and sisters, hasn't Job been crying out to God for the last two chapters? But he hasn't quite cried out to God the way Bilbo, I mean, Bildad, <laughs> Bilbo's character, short guy from Lord of the Rings. We're going with short tonight, okay? The way that he wants him to. Here's, the, here's the, the idea. Here's the thrust of it. Job, you obviously need to repent of something and you haven't repented of anything yet. Confess your sin because he who confesses and forsakes his sin will find mercy. Mercy. Right, Job? Wrong. Why? Because I don't know what to confess, says Job. I don't know what I did wrong. Do you want me to make something up, Bilbo? I mean, Bill Death. <laughs> Do you want me to just say, okay, I think I... And if Job had to reach far to find something like, yeah, you know, I was a little mean to that person the other day, or would that explain his calamity? Yeah, you know, I, I did have a weird thought. You know, I mean, no. That's where Job is at. He's saying, look, I don't know what you want me to do. Because I am crying out to God. Well, if you would just be pure and upright, implication, you need to repent. Surely God would rouse himself, verse 6. He would restore your righteous estate. Look, Job, all you got to do is repent. But Job 1, 1 and Job 1, 8 says that Job was a righteous and blameless man. He even offered sacrifice for his kids continually just in case they did something wrong. What more could the guy do from the standpoint of being pious and righteous? I would say to you, probably not much more. So that can't be the issue. And he says, though your beginning was insignificant, <laughs> sometimes you don't know how to take words of fear. You know, your beginning was quite insignificant. What beginning? <laughs> Does, does he refer to the time I was born? Like before I built my estate? Or is he talking about now since I've lost everything? Because Job was anything but insignificant. He was the greatest man of all the East. You've been listening to Wisdom That Falls Short, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Job Chapter 8. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And please follow Walk in Truth on social media. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us at Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You know, there's a certain sense of inadequacy when we try to step into somebody's pain. But I think one thing to remember is that if you've decided to step into somebody's pain, just that step speaks. So we don't always have to have, you know, uh, 17 Bible verses that we've memorized to share with them. Maybe it's one simple verse at the right time. Maybe it's not a verse 
at that given moment. Maybe it's a listening ear or just a praying heart. And this is where we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And you know, he is our helper. He he is described as our helper, the Holy Spirit is, who comes alongside to help us, to be our advocate, to help us in time of need. And sometimes our time of need is to be what someone else needs from us at that given moment. And he will come alongside and be faithful to help you. Just be prepared, be pliable, and the Lord will use you. Just, you know, the willingness to be willing is where it all starts. Let me say that one more time. The willingness to be willing. Just to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I think if you start there, the rest will be taken care of. Well, hey, I'd like to invite you to our Wednesday night service. It happens each week at Living Truth at 7 p.m. It's a great midweek, a little bit more of a casual setting, and we go through books of the Bible. And we've done a whole series in the book of Psalms, and we're going to begin a study in 1 John which is an amazing little letter at the end of our New Testament. Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Now, remember, if you can't get here for whatever reason, the service does live stream as well on our YouTube channel, and you can link to that when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Hey, so appreciative to all of our great listening family. We love you. God bless you. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. Just so you know, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job, but you can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 8 about wisdom that falls short. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.